Let's come to today's word and uh, let's hear what the Lord is going to speak to us. I believe it's very closely related and I believe that it has something for each one of us today. So let's pray and open up the word. Just join me in, in opening your heart. If you want, you can hold your hands open together like a cup, like a bowl. And ask the Lord, Father, as we come to your word now, fill me, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your faith, your faith, not my own faith, but your faith to receive the promises that you have for me in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So today's sermon is called Time to Cross That River. We each have rivers in our lives that we have to cross. Thomas's river was on his flight to Lebanon. When he got there, he had to face that river, and the river was raging. So let's read the Word of God about what this sermon is about, and then we'll come to it. I'm reading from Joshua chapter 3. Putting things in context, Joshua 3 is the story of the people of Israel after they came out of Egypt when Moses led them out of Egypt they experienced a phenomenal miracle they came to the river remember they had to cross that river it's time to cross that river they came to the river and it was actually the Red Sea not the river and as they stood, they faced an obstacle that was impossible to cross, the, river, the, the sea. And behind them was the Egyptian army with their chariots and their swords. And they were stuck in the middle. But they had to make a choice. What are they going to do? Are they going to turn around and scatter? Are they going to turn around and fight an enemy that is impossible to defeat? Are they going to lose so many lives? Or are they going to listen to what God is saying and follow it? They already had seen 10 phenomenal miracles with the 10 plagues that hit Egypt. Including the plague, the last one, of the death of the firstborn of every male born, every firstborn male in Egypt, including animals. Right up to the Pharaoh's son. But their firstborns were saved by putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost they were experiencing all those miracles and now Moses tells them I heard God say step into the river and watch what will happen so he touched the river with his staff and the, they saw this you can't you and I can't imagine it we can only see it in the movies and picture it based on the movies the staff touches the water whoosh, the water separates into these two walls of water and they that's what we imagine. And they walked on dry ground, it says. Now Moses' life is finished. He hears from God that now after you, Moses, Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land. The God who took them out, took them out to take them in. He didn't just take them out of Egypt. He took them out of Egypt for the purposes of taking them into a land that he had promised 
many years ago to their forefather Abraham. God isn't just the God of the moment. He's the God of eternity. He's the God of continuity. He's the God who is working before you know he is working and after you are finished with what he has done. He is there from the very beginning doing things that you can't imagine, preparing for the now, that now you're facing and now you're struggling and now you're wondering what's happened, but he was there all along. He made the promise to Abraham and now they're walking into this promise. That whole generation that saw all those miracles died in the wilderness of Sinai. Now their children haven't seen those miracles. They heard, but they had never seen them. They believed their parents because now they're here. But they're going by the word of somebody's testimony. They were not first eyewitnesses. They're now hearing it secondhand. So now Moses is gone. Joshua hears from God. And if you have time, go and read chapter 1 and 2 and 3 of Joshua when you get home. You'll be amazed. A number of times, you know, growing up, I always thought I want to be like Joshua. You know, I told you when we were naming Aaron, we didn't pick the name Joshua because I thought that was too Jewish. Well, you know what? Jewish or not, it's a beautiful name. It means God saves. And I've always looked at Joshua as a kind of a hero. When we first got married, do you remember Mitchell's Bookstore? Mitchell's Bookstore was a place that I loved to go to. And at the cash register, they had these keychains. And I found one. And I got this keychain and it was a big brass oval thing with a ring. And the brass oval thing had a picture of a lion. And then the scripture, be strong and courageous, Joshua 1.9. And I carried that everywhere I went. And I always pictured Joshua as being a guy who's strong and courageous. But I now wonder, if you read Joshua chapter 1, there's at least three times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. If you read Deuteronomy 32, when Joshua was still not the leader, Moses was, you read that Moses is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. You read later on in the bottom of chapter 1, when the people are now listening to Joshua, telling them what God is going to do. They said, we will do whatever you tell us God is asking us to do. Only you be strong and courageous. I started to wonder. Maybe he wasn't strong and courageous. Maybe they needed to tell him that constantly for him to get it. Maybe he was just like you and me, weakly, tired, unsure, probably insecure. But he needed to be constantly reminded to be strong and courageous. And I realized that and I thought, wow, he's like me. I need to be encouraged every once in a while. I need to be told to be strong. We had a person in the church that for years would tell me, I'm praying for you to be humble. And I thought, am I proud? I didn't think I was proud, but she would always tell me, I'm praying for you to, to, to be humble. I said, are you praying for me to be humble or stay humble? She never answered me. <laughs> 
But my point is, when, when God is underlining it so much, maybe there's a message there. Maybe it speaks to you, for you to become strong and courageous, even though you're weak and, and afraid. But he wants to speak that into you today. Be strong and courageous. Not only in terms of your outward expression, but in terms of your very identity. When he says be, be a chair. Right? It's like that. He wants Joshua to become strength and courage. So he speaks that over him numbers of times. And now the people of Israel are speaking that over him. And now he, he hears God tell him, it's time for you to bring the people of Israel to the crossing point. Oh, oh, boom, 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 boom. The music is beginning to ramp up and the, the story is coming alive. And now everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had imagined that he spoke to Abraham all these years ago is now coming to the point of now. Their imagination about to be fulfilled. Their dream about to happen. What are we going to do? What's happening? And then the Lord says to, the, to Joshua, listen to the words, this is the day. This is that day. From before you were born, I spoke with Abraham about this day. From before you imagined this day, before you were even a thought in your parents' heart, Joshua, when you were still a slave in Egypt with Moses, this day, I will begin to exalt you. I will make your name great among the people of Israel. You will be known for courage and strength. You will be exalted in the sight of all Israel so that they may know. I'm not just exalting you for you to look good. I'm exalting you for the people to know that I am with you. Remember a few weeks ago we were talking about Moses arguing with God and saying we're not going to go unless you come among us and be part of us as we go? Now he's proving it. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. This is what he is to command the, the, the priests. Stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord. Joshua said to them, by this you shall know that among you, not with you, among you, not next to you, within you. Now everything we read in the Old Testament is physical. So the river is physical. The steps are physical. The among you is physical. But that's an example for us to understand today, the spiritual. The river is a spiritual river you have to cross. The steps you have to take are spiritual steps you have to take. The, the, the uh, God with you, no, he's among you. Yes, that means he's inside you. He's not just walking beside you. Yeah, we sing that but he's actually living inside of you. So he says that, the, you know, among you is the living God who, is without, who without fail 
will drive out from before you the Canaanite, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gasherites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Some people call them the Parasites. There were seven of them. They were parasites in a way because they had infected the land. They were sinners. They were, God had patience with them. Over all these years, he would have loved for them to have been redeemed. He wanted Israel to become a light to the nations. He didn't want Israel to just expel them out of the land. But the same thing he told Israel applies to everybody else. When you commit sin, the land will vomit you out. And that's what these people were doing. They weren't repentant. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth. I love it when he says that. Of all the earth. He is the Lord of all the earth. Of Canaan, of Egypt, of you name it. Is going to pass before you into the Jordan. Why? Because the Ark was the presence of God. So now, select from the tribes of Israel. One from each tribe. When the souls... Not the souls, those souls. When the souls of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, come to rest, where? On the dry ground? No. There was no dry ground. When the feet, the soles of the feet of the, excuse me, when the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, Lord of all the earth, come to rest in, in, not on, in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan flowing shall be cut off. They st shall stand in a single heap. The waters will stand in a single heap. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the ark were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. And this was the time of the harvest. It was that time of the year. They're now at the point of crossing. And the waters of the Jordan River is overflowing. Okay? So it's flowing fast. It's flowing furious. There's much coming. Now, we, we, we'll come to the geography in a minute. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water. If this is the river, they were just like dipping. Okay? With the edge of the water. The waters flowing from above stood still rising up in a single heap far off at Adam. I'll show you the geography in a minute. The city that is beside Zarethan. You know where that is. You don't know where that is. You know where Adam is? No. Okay, good. So we're even. While those flowing toward the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off, then the people crossed over opposite Jericho while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground not moist <laughs> the water just stopped the earth must still be wet you know what I mean 
Like you could get your feet muddy. It was dry ground. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. So when they dipped their toe, if this is the bank of the river, when they dipped their toe, it was still wet. But when they put their foot in it, it was dry. How did that happen? It wasn't wet under their feet because it was still wet when they put their foot on it. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. What an amazing picture. I happened to have the privilege to visit Jordan in the place they called the Maqtas. In Arabic, it means the bathing point or the baptismal point. It is believed that this is where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Now, you have to understand what's what. We are here on the east side of the river. This here, where these heads are. You and I are on the east side. The other side is the west side. The west side is Israel. The east side is Jordan. That line in the middle there that you see, and the other line on the top, these two lines. This line here, and this line here, this is the border between the two nations. No man's land. You can see how far it is. So what happens a lot of times is people come here to be baptized in the Jordan like Jesus. And people on the other side are coming, visiting Israel, people visiting Jordan. They want to be baptized in the Jordan River. So they come and they get baptized like that guy up there. And people on both sides start singing choruses. There is no border in God's heart. He draws borders to define nations so that they would find him and seek him. But you can see it's not a big river. It's not even a deep river in that spot. But that spot is further down from where they were. As a matter of fact, they were here. In Joshua chapter 1, we read that they had risen early. Sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. In the early morning, Joshua rose and set out to Chittim with all the Israelites. And they came to the Jordan where they camped there before crossing the river. So here's the map. You can see they traveled across and they came along, along, and this is Shittim. That's the river. This is the Sea of Galilee. The river flows north to south. And this is the Dead Sea. Other name for it is Salt Sea because it's so, salt concentration is so high. So let's have a look at this in detail. What happened? They came to the Jordan River. They're at Shittim. The Jordan River, liver. The Jordan River is flowing, right? And it's flowing downward. And they set up camp at Shittim. Right? So they sat there and they waited for God to give the command. And they were set up, it says, right across from the city of Jericho. So far, so good. Okay. 
So they decided to set foot. And as the, the priests set foot and they moved, the river stopped. I hope the graphics helps us visualize it. Okay? You want to see that again? Okay. The river is flowing. They tear down camp. And the priests now set foot. And as soon as they set foot, the river is now dry. And the water is standing in heaps where? Up there, Adam. How far is Adam? Adam doesn't exist anymore, so it's difficult to tell. But according to historians, according to Bible archaeologists, it's about 20 miles or 32 kilometers from where they were at Shittim. Give you perspective, the city of Toronto downtown, a 32-kilometer radius includes all of these areas. So if they were at City Hall and the priests were putting their foot in the river at City Hall, the water would stop at Oakville. The minute, the second they put their foot in the river, the water stopped at Oakville. How does the water stop at Oakville, 32 kilometers, with the flow rate that probably is going to be about three to four hours from the time the water stops here for it to be dry here? Because God is the God who is there working before you get to your problem. God made the promise to Abraham and he knew, on that day, I will exalt you. He knew before Thomas got onto the plane in Paris that they're not going to let him in in Beirut. He knew before Thomas planned and bought his tickets that when Thomas gets there, it's a setup. He knew when the people of Israel were going to get there, it's a setup. So whatever your circumstance is, when it's time to cross that river, which is now, cross the river because he's already, even though you can't see it, the river looks like it's raging and there's no way it's going to be dry. There's no way you're going to be able to cross on dry ground. Step your foot in it. It doesn't look like the water is going to stop. Joshua, are you losing your mind? This water is running fast. It's harvest time. It's overflowing the banks. Whatever your situation is, whatever that river spiritually represents, it could be so much bigger than what your problem looks like. But the Lord is asking you, step in. I'm with you. I've never left you. I'm among you. Today, I will exalt you in the sight of all the others. That they will know that I am with you. I'm among you. I'm in you. Amen. So when we look at this, we're reminded of the situation, oops, we're reminded of the situation that happened with Abraham. Abraham was told, take your son, the son of promise, up the mountain and kill him and offer him as a sacrifice. He has the fire, he has the wood, he has everything. And Isaac is saying, daddy, where is the lamb? Because God will provide. But God told me, it's you. But he didn't tell him that. He takes him up to the mountain and now he ties him. And he puts him on the altar. And the sacrifice is now ready. The fire is there. He's ready to slay his own son, the son of promise that they didn't 
in any way have the ability to conceive. It wasn't even their conception. God somehow miraculously did it. And then Abraham is told, don't kill the son. The angel appears. And he says to him, there's a ram. So he looked and he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. When did that ram get there? When did God tell that ram to climb the mountain? At the same time that Abraham was on this side with, the, with his son climbing the mountain to get to the top, this other ram was separated from its, tro- uh, its flock, the rest of the family, and it started to make its way up and it got caught before Abraham even knew that it was time. God is aware. And you know what's the beauty of all of this? The city Adam. It's called Adam. It's called all of humanity. The water stopped there because from the very beginning, God had already planned it out. From even before the creation of Adam and Eve, he knew that the sacrifice was going to be made. He knew that you were going to be born. He knew that you were going to be present today in this service, whether online or in person. He knew you were going to hear this message before you were born. He knew that you were going to be destined for this moment to be encouraged to step into your river because he has prepared you from the time that he even created Adam. And the water is going to stop there. And he's going to give you the opportunity to enter into it. Now, we're running out of time. But that was the heart of the message. There's so much more I can share about this. But I just want you to be encouraged. That the sacrifice lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. Before Adam, Jesus was already slain. God made provision. The plan for the water to stop was done. All that's missing, all that's missing is your foot to step into it. The water won't stop until your foot steps into it. But hey, the water had to stop four hours before it. Adam, the water had to stop. But God knew you were going to step into it. He's prepared you. He's waiting for you. Step into it and watch what's going to happen. I don't know how it works. I don't know if the water <laughs> instantly just stopped. Yeah, I know. I, I, I try to scare you at least once in every sermon. Okay, it's good for your heart. Okay. But I don't know how that water is going to stop. But it is going to stop. It is going to stop. And it's going to stop in a way that when it stops, it won't get you wet. It's not going to stop right next to you so that the... Niagara Falls, the spray gets you wet and gets your glasses wet that you have to come out and dry them. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be 20 miles away, 32 kilometers away. It's not going to touch you. Even though you feel you're getting touched by it, it's not going to touch you. It won't stay on you. The water is going to be far from you. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your circumstances are. But I know you came here for this purpose to hear this I know you logged in to hear this I know if you're watching it later in the recording to hear this it's time to step into the river it's time to cross that river it's time to cross that river 
The other side of it is the promised land. The other side of that river is the land that was promised to your ancestors generations ago. It's yours to possess. It's yours to take hold of. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It's your reward. It's yours. Let's all stand. As we're standing, as the communion is getting passed around, I know it's time. I don't want to rush this. But at the same time, it happens in an instant. The second the priests set their feet into the water, the water stopped. So in an instant, as you get your cups and your bread, hold on to them, we'll eat them and drink them together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread. He blessed the bread, lifted it up to the Father, blessed it, and passed it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. In a like manner, he lifted up the cup. He blessed it, passed it to the disciples and said, take, drink, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. And with that, he terminated the one era and opened up a new era where everything that was physical is now spiritual. Where all the examples in the Old Testament are now ours as testimonies of his faithfulness into this new era. And he became that sacrifice. Before the lamb was slain, or excuse me, before the creation of the earth, the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain. Before Adam sinned, Jesus was slain. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father as our high priest, as the one who is the Lamb of God that was sacrificed. If the kids are coming up, yep, we'll wait for them. It's amazing how it all fits together. None of the stories in the Bible are on their own. That's it. They all are part of a big painting of the glory of God from one generation to the other and how He has been faithful. He does the same thing but different every time. He demonstrates His character through all of it. He is so faithful. What we heard from Thomas today was beautiful. He knew every detail. All Thomas had to do was relax. Say yes. Step in. One of the scriptures for today's lectionary reading is Psalm 43 
And the psalmist, we suspect is David, says these words, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you cast down? Thank you. Why are you cast down? So you know what? I'm going to give you a hint. This verse, Psalm 43, verse 5, gives us a thermometer. When you feel your soul cast down, let that thermometer now begin to blare. Beep, 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 something is off. And when your soul, here he says, is disquieted within me, you know what that means? That means your soul won't shut up. Disquieted. When you feel down and your soul is just speaking so loud, how can a soul speak? Well, your body speaks. When you're in pain, your body speaks. When you're tired, a muscle, when you're broken leg, your body speaks to you and you feel that. In the same way, your soul speaks to you and you feel that. You feel your soul anxious you feel your soul down you're kind of moody you feel your soul disquieted that means your mind is racing and talking to you all kinds of things when that happens when that thermometer is blaring look what it says hope in God for I shall again praise him so when you feel that hope in God when Jesus was disquieted when he finished serving the disciples the bread and the cup he went to the garden of Gethsemane and he cried to the father and he prayed father take this cup away from me but his soul was quieted he hoped in God and he knew that there's a resurrection awaiting for the joy set before him he endured the cross for you and I so when you and I are facing our challenges when we come to the cup we have a beautiful model in Jesus he has done so much to give us a display. So step into your river today. Father, we thank you for the example that Jesus gives us. We thank you for his faithfulness. We ask, Lord, that as we partake, as we take part in this communion, his character, his mindset, his obedience becomes ours that we would function in the same way as Him in all areas. We dare to do what it seems impossible, what seems illogical. We step into areas that we don't understand, but because you've told us, step in, we step in. Let's eat and drink together. May what we just did bring healing to your bodies if your bodies are not well. 
may bring healing to your relationships if there are relationships that are broken may it bring healing between you and God if your relationship with him is shaky and may it bring boldness and courage so like God told Joshua repeatedly be strong and courageous step into the river because I am with you what would you do if you knew you can't fail because God is with you if you heard him say step in step in now may the grace of God may his peace may his presence go with you everywhere you go may this week be filled with his glory may you experience his presence like never before in Jesus name God bless you